Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Noise Podcast as part of the Noise Podcast Network and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I'm Sam Lewis and I'm joined once again by Will Marshall um, and we discuss the new Ithaca record, They Fear Us, it's out on the 29th of July. We discuss how great the album is, it really is absolutely superb. Please uh, give us a listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow us at Noise Podcast on Twitter, at Noise UK on Twitter. Follow us on um, Noise UK's YouTube as well. Give us a like and subscribe. Um, just follow us everywhere where you get your social media stuff just to keep updated with everything that we're doing. Please give us a like and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify and all that good stuff. Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Noise Podcast on the Noise Podcast Network. I'm once again joined by Will Marshall, the man of many talents, the man of many publications. How are you today, Will? How's your Monday treating you? It's it's, it's a Monday, isn't it? It's uh, better than most, it's a not as good as others. <laughs> in the grand scheme of Mondays, somewhere near that fleshy bit in the middle, not the best Monday you've ever had, not the worst Monday you've ever had, just right in that comfort zone. Yeah, always improved by the fact I get I still get to listen to this record. So, well, exactly, exactly. It's not a bad, not a bad life to come back to um, after after a day's work. My my day, um, my day has been fantastic. Actually, it's my first day on my holiday, so my day began at about one o'clock this afternoon. Um, so that's 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 a good start as any, isn't it? Um, I'd had lunch by then. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even intend it. To, I didn't intend to happen. You know, when you sort of, you sort of, sort of wake up, and you've, you're sort of like half asleep, and you, 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 I refuse to check my phone sometimes because I'm like, the moment I look at my phone, my day's begun and fuck the day. So like, sometimes I'll just wake up and I'm just, I'll just be like bleary asleep, but I'm just like, if I just close my eyes still and don't look at my phone and think about something else, I'll fall asleep again, and then my day is delayed. And that's exactly what happened. And I was like, oh, shit, it's 1 p.m. I should probably be like a functioning human being at this point now. I wasn't I wasn't even like, I didn't drink last night. There's no need. I didn't even stay up late. I went to bed at like half one. There was no need for me to still be awake. Till oh, I didn't stay up late. Went to bed at half one. Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'll tell you what. If we do a podcast in three weeks, my sleep schedule will turn into the... 5am 3pm one by by that point because i i just can't help myself i just turn into a student again i start watching like tv shows i start watching american sports i start watching youtube videos that are like three hours long on ufos and stuff oh, like, video essays, my time yeah 2 17 am this is a good time to start this. this 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 is perfect um so yeah i'm just gonna be a beleaguered individual by mid-august just craving the routine of school once again Anyway, um, so let's let's get onto the let's get onto the podcast uh, before I just start reading excerpts from my diary out loud for no one in particular. Um, we're going to be talking about Ithaca's new album today. Um, just uh, just a phenomenal record. Obviously, we're going to get into that in a moment. Um, but I'm going to come to you first. Obviously, what's your relationship with Ithaca the band? I've actually the Ocean Summer record, but it's a nice segue to start. What's your relationship with Ithaca the band? When did you first hear them? When did you accompany this record? That type of stuff. Give me the timeline. Sure. So I I didn't know who Ithaca were prior to 2019. Um, that was shortly around around the time they dropped the debut record, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, they played. So at Noise, we covered Arc Tangent Festival in 2019. And I was chatting to Dan, who I covered it with. 
and he was like, oh, Ithaca are fucking great. Ithaca are playing Arc Tangent. Let's go watch Ithaca. So we went and watched Ithaca, and it blew my fucking mind. Like, there was just this crazy, aggressive, like, metallic hardcore. And I just went, this is really cool. I really like this. Went away, um, listened to Language of Injury. Didn't quite get it at first, because I think that was at a point where my taste was still sort of expanding, and it hadn't quite got into the realms of hardcore and metal, like, this sort of the metal, kind of metalcore that Ithaca play. Um, but... Fast forward to uh, mid twenty twenty, um, I bought their uh, I bought the Language of Injury on vinyl. Um, I listened to it a lot more. I'd really gotten into it by that point. And then when they announced they fear as the new one back in February, the first thing I did was email one of my editors, going, "Please, for the love of God, can I talk to Ithaca?" Um, and the answer was, "Yeah, but maybe a bit close to the time because the record comes out in July." <laughs> what about you? Uh, <laughs> fair play to you. I need to talk to him in the next 10 minutes or my head's going to explode. Can you accommodate this, please? Kind regards, Will Marshall. Um, yeah, well, I, I heard Ithaca, um, the, where the 2019 record Language of Injury came out. We reviewed it. I was one of the first noise podcast episodes with Chris a couple of years ago. It was maybe like episode two or three of the run that we'd done. And it blew me away. It was it was the first great metal record I'd heard during that sort of cycle of reviews that we were doing. I was really impressed by the whole host of things, sort of like the versatility and the sort of the darkness of the band and and just the, the vocal work was the versatility of it was just superb. Really, really impressed. Um and then when they came back here with with They Fear Us, I remember having a conversation with yourself. And you were like, you know, this is coming up. It would be cool to get a review. Let's, let's see if we can sort of um, get a copy for everybody and, and, and sort of sort it out. And then obviously um, been sort of listening to it over the last few days and, and, and a lot today and a lot of their back catalogue as well today um, in preparation for this. And obviously something else we've got in the pipeline um, for the podcast down the road. And the... I've never been. I've never been in a situation where I've ever been sort of disappointed. They're, they're such a, they're such a brilliant, brilliant band. They're such a brilliant twenty first century metal band, and I think they're really sort of um, holding the torch for for sort of a lot of sort of musical changes that we're coming across over the next couple of years and over the last couple of years as well. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you initially. So when I first when I first heard this over the last couple of days, I felt that this was a noticeable noticeable step forward uh, not to not to criticize the previous record the previous record's ace um this felt this felt like the band had taken a more versatile step a more expanded step a more atmospheric step um a more structured step it seems that like they've grown as songwriters where do you sit with that theory so again i totally agree i think language of injury you listen to language of injury and you hear a band, and a, uh, this is not to knock them. This that was a band in its infancy. It was their first record, finding their voice. They found something of a voice, and then three years later, we're getting this. What is, to, for my money, a humongous glow up on Language of Injury. Again, I like Language. I like it a lot. It's like you say, it started to showcase this like more diverse strain of metalcore um, in terms of the way it approached songwriting and the way that they approached topics 
as well and representation in the scene and like you say we were starting to get this more kind of like diverse palette even on that record they fear us is it, it essentially is it's almost like a reinvention of of Ithaca like it's Ithaca going from we can do this but what if we did this and then just go in fuck what anyone else thinks metalcore canon should be this is what metalcore can be by just it, I, I, yeah basically it's fucking phenomenal is the the long and short of they fear is i think it's the most tremendous glow up i've heard bar one that i can't talk about yet <laughs> always the man of mystery I, I i i agree with you, you just seem like a step forward you listen to um I listened to the language of injury again after after listening to the new record. I just wanted to get a bit of context again because I really hadn't I hadn't listened to it really for a year or two, and I wanted to chuck it back on and just see where it sat because it's nice to sort of look backwards in that sense. And you listen to tunes like Secret Space and No Translation on the first record, and they were kind of hinted at some of the stuff that's going on here, like the sort of the atmospheric stuff. It's not as structured. Um, the the new sound that you sort of heard. On, on Day Fearus has certainly been hinted at um, and certainly the foundation was set on language of injury, but it does appear, like you say, describe it as a glow up, I think is fair. It, it does seem in every way a more refined, a more streamlined experience from the band's perspective, just as punchy, just as sharp, just as heavy, but there does seem to be a greater emotive punch to what the band are actually um, capable of. And I think it really gets immediately it immediately sets the tone of what the whole records be about in this opening track you look at it's listed in the way it starts as heavy staccato style riffs but the chorus on this will is beautiful it's absolutely absolutely gorgeous it's really heartfelt the chord changes below this sort of i don't know if it's one person singing but it has the it has the effect as if they've doubled the vocals like it kind of feels like a group vocal but it's not or at least it feels like they've They've doubled that vocal line a little bit just to sort of um to sort of extenuate it a little bit. And the riff to follow with the discords as well is just terrific. Where'd you sit with this opening track? Because I was just immediately won over. I think it's really interesting that uh, just to go back to what you said, you said it's a more streamlined album. I I, I disagree. Um I don't think okay. it's I think it's more expansive. I think it covers way more ground. So it's less that they've focused in on something and more that they've brought They've brought in so many different influences and disparate sounds and then made it co- just made it work. It's so cohesive. Uh, in the Way is a fucking phenomenal track. Um, and I think it's, again, really interesting that you've picked out the chorus, first of all, when you've got an opening line that says, um, it's not a job, it's a service, and I get paid in satisfaction. Um, and it's also got a line, and honestly, this line is hard as fuck. Um, you've got Jamila screaming. <laughs> you've got Jamila screaming. I take your calls in the bathroom so no one can hear and wash your blood down the sink because we don't keep souvenirs. Ah, ah, that's, that's poetry right there. That the is fucking dark as fuck. Opening song, opening yeah. song, and you're coming in with a line like that. Fucking yes, please. That like that alone, like that alone, because I got I got texted that lyric before I'd heard the album, like about a week. Uh, a friend texted me that lyric and went, "This is the hardest like mosh call of the entire year." And then I heard the song and I was like, "Oh fuck, that's special. That's so good. 
Like, it instantly just grabs you. And that's... We're not even 30 seconds into the song. So, yeah, in the way, when it's... And it doesn't let up from this level of quality either. I'd argue Mm -hmm. there are bits that are even better. And yet they fear in the way is a phenomenal opener. Like, it's brilliant. I would agree. I would, I would, I would agree. It's a tremendous song that really sort of immediately sets the bar for the type of type of band that they appear to have turned into because it has a whole host of things going on in this. It's got classic hardcore that that kind of people slicer esque discords going on as part of the riffs. You've got mosh calls, like you say. You've got brilliant lyrics, but also like there's a real current of melody. And, and Putex are pissed out at me all the time for talking about this, but I, I'm a man that loves the blend. Well, I love balance. Like, give me the light and the darkness as well. I, I, I like I like a band that can do both a little bit. I like the mix. And when it's done well, it really sort of lifts everything up with it. A rising tide lifts all boats. And I think what you've got here is there's a real, um, there's like a real empathetic quality to it. It's hard, it's hard to define, but like I, it immediately felt emotive. It immediately felt heartfelt. It immediately felt genuine. In amidst all of the chaos, which I think is really hard to do, the amount of bands that have failed to nail the emotive elements of their music because it sounds cliche or it sounds forced or it just sounds too poppy and it's difficult to swallow as a metal consumer. Um, looking at you, every metalcore band I've listened to since 2010. Um, <laughs> but like this feels incredibly on the other side of the scale where it actually feels like we're really tipping on something that's that's really sort of emotive and really sort of scarring. Um, I don't know. It was just an easy. It was an easy album to align myself with, emotionally, and and just listening to it. It was a real, real, real experience. Even just from the opener. This might be a bit of a, probably not that much of a hot take, but it's certainly ill considered. Um, the the more raw. That's my favourite metal- kind of take. Well, <laughs> I've built a career on that. Don't you worry. The, the the more raw kind of sounding metalcore. Like I'm not saying this is badly produced because it fucking isn't. Like Lewis Johns is an absolute wizard. The guy that they that recorded and produced this album is fucking incredible. He's one of my favourite working at the moment. But like stylistically, it's a bit more raw. It's a bit more chaotic. It's not as polished as like the modern metalcore sound. If you get what I mean. Um, like the post-human kind of era. Bring me. Bring the Horizon, the modern like architects records. There's not. I'm not knocking them, but what I will say is I don't think they're as emotional, like or at least the emotion they try and convey never hits as hard as when you've got something that's a bit more scabrous, like because this this entire record is um is essentially a fuck you to patriarchy, male power, colonialism, every form of oppression under the sun because they are such a diverse band that they are tearing that all down and opening, like, using their own hurt to, like, fuel this tirade of emotion. And it's never just anger either. It balances out that, like you say, that light and the dark really well. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. If you listen to the, the follow-up track, uh, The Future Says Thank You, I think that's that's incredibly clear because there's some there's some moments on this, man, like opens up between there's like a, a call and response between like a heavier vocal and a more melodic vocal that opens this and i think that really sort of symbolizes what we've been talking about when you combine that with um this like sort of harmonic sort of guitar line that follows later on in the song as well where they've got this riff and it's just followed with this beautiful high image very metalcore um kind of kind of guitar riff underneath which i just think is absolutely superb 
Um, there's a uh, just some beautiful, beautiful guitar work on this, and, and I mean it in the sense of like beautiful in like heavy and dexterous rather than sort of um, artistic and soft in any kind of way. But there's there's a there's a real I don't know there's 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 a real quality to to what the sort of the, the sort of depth of the riff work and the guitar work is here that I I just love this this second track here is absolutely fantastic that there's a serpentine riff <laughs> before like the big chorus when there's a tempo shift in it I don't know how to ex explain it it's kind of this sort of like slithering across the guitar like these sort of doodle -doodle 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 -doodle. it's just unbelievable um because you, you listen to the listen to the the, the the first sort of sections of this album and you look at like a big sort of big chords and big staccato riffs and things like that real sort of chunky um singular notes and the idea of that being shifted into these more like lengthy almost traditional metal riffs and traditional metal harmonies was a real nice touch on the band to sort of show their versatility because as a i'm a massive like traditional metal fan so if you give me like some big harmony riffs and some some nice snaky sounding low riffs and stuff i'm in um, and I think they really find that um, that balance really nicely on this on this second track. Yeah, for sure. And like thematically, so this was like this is actually the late the last single. This came out last week. Mm. Um, this was the final single because the record's out on Friday. Um, and in that, they described that the song's about like escaping, like leaving um, an abusive past or like an abusive relationship. And it feels like. And it and it kind of channels that chaos of how that relationship would is to be a part of in like because it's always shifting tempo, it never really stays in one place. Like you say, it shifts between like that call and response between her heavier vocal and her clean like her her melodic vocal. And then it's also got lines like um, "No one, no one will remember your face," as well. And that's just like a really fucking scathing put down as well. And because the thing is, like this, this is about screaming at that person. Like no one's ever going to remember you. But the song itself is just like so, like it's so good, so so good. And I, I do think like that the opening trifecta, the opening three songs on this album, is like it's it's, it's just fucking peerless, man. I haven't there's like, you you aren't going to hear many opening runs this good because they fear as the title track. Oh. oh. That title track with that chorus as well, like bow to your blood, your queen and your god. Like fuck. The lyricism yeah, on this it's, record. It's... The lyricism on this record is so good and so well thought out as well. Like it's never it's really considered for like the like what will give the maximum like effect and like the most dis not disruption. Like it doesn't disrupt the song. But like, what will have the most effect on the listener when you actually sit down and read those words or hear those words? Yeah, I completely agree from a from a linguistic standpoint. I completely agree from your your your, your idea that the first three tracks on this is just fucking hell. Um, they, the fear of the title track here is just amazing. There's this sludgy mid tempo riff at the start. The, the breakdown is just fucking outstanding. Oh, it's, it's got this panic. It's chords. hard to describe. It's like, yeah, man. Like it's it's never it's. Even when they're playing what we call sort of slow mid-tempo riffs, it doesn't actually feel slow or mid-tempo like at all. If anything, it feels like it's menacing and sort of pacing and sort of meticulous and biding its time almost. It serves it really, really well. And then the, what they really, what this band are really, really good at is and it's something that I wish more bands did is when they have the central figure, their central idea in a section, right? And they've got like um, they're, they're playing some rhythm stuff. 
what they do is they're like, oh, that's not enough. We need to add another layer here. We need to add another note, another another riff working underneath, something else going on, something not to take the focus away, but just to sort of colour in the background here a little bit to add another depth to it. And I think that really sets them apart because you listen to this record and it's as powerful and heavy and as and as well thought out as you, as you point out that it is. And it's also really sort of like really well structured and um, sort of really architectural in the way that the songs have been put together. Um, it's really, it's really an impressive feat by, from a band um, that really have done to this point about forty-five minutes worth of music total. Um, like it's, it's quite extraordinary, really, when you actually think about the the, um, the musicianship. But not like in a, all right, okay, a great musicianship in metal, like fucking pull the other one. Of course there is, but like the idea that this isn't just look how many notes I can hit, look how many sweet picks I can do, look at our fucking drummer with his mechanically assisted kick pedal. Um, but it's it's actually like look at how well structured our songs are. Look at how we thought about the overall art form of the music here. Look how we're actually putting in stuff and we're considering the overall part rather than just taking it in terms to show how impressive we are as musicians. But this third track really shows that 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 sort of depth um, of songwriting, and that's why I felt like just going in that this is this is a humongous step forward for them at such an early stage of their career as well. Yeah, and there's something I really want to like pick up on in this song that they do. Um, like you say, when you say that they're considering the whole structure and how they actually construct a song, what elements they bring in, you you, you hear that chant that happens um, right before the solo, I believe it is. Um, they've got that chant right before the solo and the drum break. So that drum break is, I mean, they obviously recorded it in the studio and then actually pitched it up they deliberately pitched that drum break up to sound like an Indian doldrum. And the reason they did that... That's cool. The reason they did that is because that chant is a field recording that Sam Sam Chetton Welsh, the guitarist, he took that recording when he was in India. Um, so he, he, he went, ended up going to India for a short while um, when his mum died. And so he, he obviously spent time with family... There was the funeral, the you know the ceremonies, and then he travelled a bit. But that field recording he took is um, it's a ceremony by the bank uh, by the banks of the Ganges, and it's um, it, it's a welcoming in of like and reflection of like the divine feminine, like that chant. And they've brought that in as and it doesn't sound shoehorned. It's brought in as a way of celebrating their own like diverse heritage their own diverse um walks of life and that's brought in and then the and then they not only bring that in and say this is a like an atmospheric kind of segment of the song they pitch up those drums so it doesn't sound like it's on its own either um they fear us is one of my i mean of i like i i love this entire record but this is one of probably my favorite songs because of not just because of that, but like because of how considered and how diverse it sounds, and how something of like a field recording from the banks of the Ganges fits seamlessly into this like extremely often chaotic metalcore. Yeah, it's 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 a let's say it's a tough blend to to make work. Is a bit of an understatement when you when you're trying to sort of accompany metalcore with traditional Indian music. Like, it, there's no way on paper that should work. I mean, it's like a Sepultura-type experiment that they're, they're sort of attempting here. It's just utterly, utterly astonishing, really. Um, I want to... 
I'm going to talk about the next section of this band because at this point, I started thinking, okay, um, you know, when you're like three tracks in, you start to get a feel for where you think the record is and what you think the record is and that, um, what kind of sound you're expecting. Um, this band didn't really do that from tracks four to six. And I want to, I wrote down, I tweeted this out a little bit earlier, but there's like three or four bands that the next tracks, four, five, and six, made me think of in no particular order, but I wrote them down regardless. I want to see how it, how it fits with you. Svalbard, Cancer Bats, Every Time I Die, and Mastodon. That that was genuinely some of my instincts for some of these musical choices here. Um, and I'll and I'll fit I'll fit the jigsaw pieces later on. But you know, when you got to this second portion, well, this middle third of the album, I guess, I found myself like astonished at the versatility and how far reaching the arms of their music was. Um, where do you sit with these ne- this next section and, and my general ideas? I think it's I think they're really fair shouts. Um because definitely like throughout the album as well, but also yeah, in these three songs, you've got like some of the almost some of the like those almost black gaze flourishes that Svalbard do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You've got like you say, you know, every time I die, like just just listen to Cremation Party, man. Like it's a just what two minutes and eight seconds of just rage. It's so good. It's and and then yeah, you've got the cancer bats kind of like there's bits where they they do that almost sludgy kind of hardcore. It's just really fun, like an energetic. So yeah, and then with Mastodon, yeah, absolutely, because because Mastodon, like, the question there for you though is like, are we what what era Mastodon are we talking? Because like, right, okay, because arguably they draw on all of them. You know, they've got like the heavy, like, again, almost sludge like of the early, but. Sam and he, and he and he admits this. Like Sam is a, when I uh, talk to him, he is a humongous their guitarist. He's a humongous prog fan. So like modern day Mastodon isn't a million miles off either. Because like even though this this isn't a prog album, no one is ever no. gonna buy me trying to tell them it's a prog album. But the way they construct songs and the album as a whole, it, it is almost progressive. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. I was listening to when I thought about the Mastodon comparison. I was listening to Camera Eats first, and there was a section near the second third of the tune where there was a riff that they it was a low riff, and they'd harmonised it in a very Mastodon esque way, where the actual low riff was being rather than you know you usually get like a harmonising riff and it's like a Judas Priest kind of rip off, and it's like a high riff, and then there's somehow an even higher one, you know, like a Ben Sevenfold classic oh, yeah. that type of stuff. Right, right, right. So it wasn't like that. Mastodon used to do this thing, like sort of like songs like March of the Fire Ants and stuff like that, where they'd have like a low riff and they'd harmonise it further up the, the guitar strings, but it, it wouldn't feel like a traditional harmony at all. And if anything, it made it sound really fucking eerie and really cool, really interesting. It's like kind of off kilter. It sounded like it like almost like it underlined your message rather than actually made it all neat. And it was, it was really cool. Anyway, so I was thinking early Sludgy Mastodon, but the specific, the sort of harmonies and stuff. And I think when you talk about Sam being a big Mastodon fan, this sort of modern progressive metal, that type of stuff, you can actually hear the the sort of elements to where that has sort of appeared. You're absolutely right. Because I think it is a brilliant song. I'm going to start this in a minute. Um, it's a slow and punishing opening. It's a beautiful lead along the chorus, just sitting there in the background, just absolutely gorgeous. As the chorus is furling. There's just this sort of like pirouetting lead just sort of going on behind, like a like an accompanying dancer at a ballet or something like that, just sort of happening in the distance. It is just absolutely wonderful. Um, and then you 
the, the change of the pace and the I, disgusting is the adjective I'd use for the sort of follow-up breakdown about halfway through this. It is just unbelievable. There are some there are some fucking riffs on this and by Trap 4, I was like, holy shit. Where the, the, there's like these tracks that are like three and a half, four minutes long that somehow managed to squeeze like 12 different ideas and it is um, really, really, really great. Um, and I agree with you. When we get to sort of cremation party, that was my that was my initial canterbats thought. And then every time I thought, every time I thought was on number five. But um, there's a bit of like classic hardcore, sort of that gritty. We've got two minutes, but somehow there's nine riffs in here, um, and it sounds it sounds like you know, it's just extraordinary. Like it sounds like two people are fighting in a bathroom somewhere in the background of the song. Like it's 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 extraordinary. Like really really good that sort of shows off their versatility again and yeah so when i got to number five it was like it's the riff that was off kilter like it yeah. wasn't quite four four it's like swaying isn't it you know what i mean it's got that danceable quality to it that i heard in great recent every time i die um um tunes especially off the new record actually um it was just like there's a like pitch harmonics with like a punk attitude i was just in love with this middle section because as well Considering it's like a 35, 40 minute record, you can actually split this album into thirds. And the first the first one sounds like they're a modern metalcore band that's sort of stretching out into like a post-hardcore environment. The, th- the This middle section feels like, um, like a fucking application to be like the next great punk, punk rock band or, or punk hardcore band. And this third one, which we'll come to later, sounds like, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a completely, a completely different sort of misanthropic love letter to to some some distant, erstwhile emotional feeling on some random island with the rain and lighthouses and stuff. Like it's just unbelievable. Um, this this album before I just stop babbling. Um, by track six, well, I felt this was a really, really, really special record. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because track six, which is called number five, which is fun. Um, I love the fact that it's, it's great for that, the OCD among us. <laughs> it's got that really like repeating guitar pattern, like you say with the pinch harmonics, and then it's just the breakdown is mm. just like filth. And it's yeah, by the end by the end of the sec well, by the end of that, like second, third, if you're I mean, to be blunt, if you're not sold on this record from that opening line of in the way, I don't know what to tell you. But like if you aren't quite there and then track six still hasn't got you I mean, you, you've only got like ten more minutes of music, right? So you may as well stick out the rest. Um, What's it? I don't know probably about probably about 12, 13, 14 minutes of music after that. But it's just like that. That middle third is just like, especially two of the songs being like just really fucking chaotic ragers that just don't let up at all. So good. Yeah. And then we go into it's... fluorescent, which is like, so as they described it, it's the most personal song on the album. on an album it's that's already evil. very personal fun fact about this one um when again like when i talked to him um i mentioned so i mentioned that on parts of this record and i'm sure you do as well i get like classic rock vibes from some of the tones yeah definitely the uh one of the guitar tones they used on uh, fluorescent on track seven is the eddie van halen guitar tone they went to lou and they said to him we want that tone and he went yeah got it right here like what, what? So it was a very deliberate like choice to like bring in that other influence that they have. Um, yeah, fluorescent is, is is stunning. 
it's such a stunning song it is it is and the, this 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 section of the album is really really still for me because my notes started turning into something a strictly come dancing judge would say out loud um because i was like reading it and i was like post hardcore melodic chorus question mark wow so much depth of variety beautiful chorus vulnerability then rips back to metal wow I sound like Gino DeCampo or something like there was just no, I lost the ability to form complete sentences. I was just like, just chucking phrases out there. I was like, I love, there was this and then there was this and then there's more other stuff. And then, whoa, metal. And I was like, why why do I sound like a fucking coke addict at a bus stop? Like, it's just unbelievable. Um, It's just insane. This this song, you're you're right. That you can actually, you can almost hear the personal quality even just through the music itself. because th- these opening chords, I was like, that sounds a bit like, a bit like holding absence with that alpha wolf sort of tune, that kind of big chords, like this kind of like post hardcore sort of emotional sort of vibe I was getting. I was like, this isn't, this is completely different already. Like they've, they've flicked into a different switch. There's a different gear going on here. Really, really impressive. And once again, like just a massive, massive central figure here. And, but by no means do they abandon anything else that they're good at they somehow managed to thread in this metal sensibility as well and keep it grounded with some great riffs and some some real metal tropes going on here like sort of just in case where they're trying to just because the metal fan might be turning off though they sort of bring them back in quite quite easily and then and then sort of the emotional guy starts thinking oh maybe it's a bit dark and then he gets brought back in with another chorus like it's 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 wild how they're simultaneously catering to sort of different fans at the same time um uh I'm a massive, massive guitar hero sort of fan. So like when I hear like big solos and stuff, like I just can't help myself. So when I heard you should have gone back, um, like I was just fucking blown away. Just the, the because we, we seem to have got into a world like we did in like 2002, 2003, where people are like guitar solos aren't cool. Blah. And like, they still are fucking sick. So put them back in please, because they're amazing. So when you have something like this, when you have this beautiful clean guitar and it just kicks in, to this guitar solo with a clean section running behind it, just as like a, this like sort of segue. It's just stunning. It is absolutely wonderful. And it just sort of, again, it's like, oh, we've we've almost run out of tropes in our own genres to do. We're just going to nick them from other ones now. We're just going to sound like Metallica for six and a half minutes, if that's okay with you. And it's just like un- unbelievable. Like I was just in love with this. And then obviously it goes on to the, the final track, which is just a stunner. Where do you sit with this final third, considering how much we enjoyed the first two? This final third is what, for me, cinches this as a like an almost what I hope and will be something of a game-changing record in metalcore and uh, metallic hardcore, especially the final two songs, because you should have gone back. Like I say, it's got this beautiful, like clean guitar melody. It comes into that midsection where she's desperately screaming, "We've got a problem." Like and it just feels, well, it just feels like so desperate. It feels like there's some real anguish behind her voice there. And then we shift from that into like this melodic bit. That's although it's a repeated line, like we've got these constantly shifting drum patterns underneath that get more complex. They get more urgent. It's fucking riveting. This you should have gone back. And it's just it. This song. Like, and this is the longest song on the album, right? It's a hair under, it's 5 minutes 48. I've got the thing up, like, on my monitor there. 
5 minutes and 48 seconds it's the longest song on the album and honestly it feels like it feels as short as cremation pie it put, puts that much in and it flows so beautifully that it it's it's just over in a flash like this whole album is just over before you know it and you're just left with this sense of i just need to sit and digest a minute yeah uh, I complete. I completely agree. It's just a. It's just a wonderful moment that doesn't feel tokenistic or forced or like when you can see. You can actually feel sometimes the band's being like, "Let's stick a soft one near the end because that's what that's what that's what everyone kind of expects." We'll just put the ballad one near the bottom and that. And it just. It's just. It's a song they're never going to play live. It's a waste of three and a half minutes. Uh, there's just no need for it whatsoever. This doesn't actually feel like that at all. It feels like this. And hold and be held definitely come as a parent, come as a partnership, and it was really well thought out that 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 they sort of go together at the conclusion of this record, rather than sort of being sort of poles apart and just feeling sort of isolated amidst the backdrop of the rest of the record. So it's clear that they're part of um, a wider ideology in terms of structuring this album, which I think is fantastic. And I think the combination of this and the final track. Now, um, I'll ask you a question: is is the is the vocal at the conclusion of hold be held? The same vocalist that's screaming throughout throughout this record, or is that a feature? No, it's that all melodic bit right at the end. That it's is got, extraordinary. It, if I'm not, uh, I don't believe there's any other vocalist, obviously other than the backing vocals, than Jamila yeah. uh, Jamila Bowden Azuz on this. She is fucking amazing. Like, well, that's what I was thinking because there was no feature listed on the records. There's nothing in the piano. I'm like, but you listen to the end of that, and it's like, where's that come from? How have you done that? That last song is so it's like it's, it's this huge curveball. I can't wait for people to hear this because it goes fucking power pop, R and B, and it's just like yeah. the, the the amount of soul in her voice, like at the end of it. There, it's like in the, the midpoint of the song as it goes through. It's it's mind blowing. There, there is nothing I there isn't I cannot say enough good things about Hold Be Held as like a closer for for this album and just a song generally like it sums up everything that's come before it but it's also like the it's the polar opposite of songs like in the way and cremation party sonically it's so like well it's the melodicism of it all it's 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 this really beautifully written it's just it's a gorgeous song and it's really emotionally arresting i can name again two other albums that have closing songs that make me feel this way and and why that i mean like once this song's over i have to like it feels like you just have to sit there in silence you have to just digest what you've just heard like it feels you know when you like read something or you listen to something and the ending of it just feels perfect that you don't know what could possibly follow it that that's hold be held for me. That's how you sum up they fear us. Is on hold be held is this moment where it, the the final chords have rung, rung out and you just have to sit there like just contemplating it. Again, there are two other albums that have made me feel this way in the last five years, ten years. Well, that is that is quite a compliment. I can't help I can't help but agree with the way that it, way that it makes you feel. Um, there is a there's a special there's a special section of album reviews that relates to band, uh, the albums and music that actually makes you feel something that like not not in like 
not in a mimicked way where you actually like, oh, I, I'm supposed to feel sad because the vocalist is saying sad things type of stuff. Like not in that kind of very simplistic surface level kind of, I can understand how it feels to have your heart broken. No, no, not like that. Um, but like in a genuine way where you actually feel like you're experiencing the song and you actually feel like you're having like a, an emotive reaction independently. Um, and it's sort of, making you sort of reapply that emotion to something going on to yourself and, and that's all only great novels and great albums do that and there's certainly there's certainly elements of this record that he's knocking on that do you think uh, do you think this is a chance to be like a defining record not just for, for Ithaca do you think this has a chance to be a generational album for this genre I think what this album sets out to do I think it achieves. So always, and you know, obviously you read the press notes and I've talked to the guitarist Sam about this. The intention with the album was, was not, and not in a like up their own asses kind of way. It was to be disruptive. It was looking at the, like the metal and the hardcore scenes and saying, everyone's wearing fucking like jeans and t-shirt they're all sounding like this that's not to say there's bad music and like it's all bad it's obviously not there's always great music coming out all the time but it felt like it needed shaking up and here you've got this incredibly diverse both in terms of like heritage in terms of identity sexuality incredibly diverse um quintet of of of, of musicians that look at metalcore look at the genre and say like it's it's basically a bunch of stuffy white dudes let's shake that up let's do something really disruptive let's challenge outdated norms of male power let's really go after people that abuse others the future says thank you you know and this album it sets out to basically show other bands hey, you don't have to fit within these strict confines of genre. You can bring in, you can pitch your drum breaks. You can have, you know, Indian doll drums. You can have religious chants. You can have an R&B turn, a power pop turn at the back of your album. You can do black gaze. You can do prog. And you're still a metalcore band. So as in terms of that, I yeah, I absolutely think this is a landmark album for Ithaca and the genre because it just blows the doors open. It just goes... No, 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 no. You think there's a rule book for this shit? There fucking isn't. Just, I mean, just look. Like, just look at that cover, you know? You've got you've got Jamila there in this, like, bright orange, and you've got all of the other band members in, like, these subdued white tones. You've got this really classic-looking font, you know? Aesthetically, this album has such a strong aesthetic and sonic identity that's all unified under this They Fear Us, the they being the people that they are challenging, every single person that they're challenging, and obviously the us being like not just Ithaca, but those that they represent. It, yeah, so the the less up my own arse, as it were, way of saying this is, do I think this is a landmark album? I absolutely fucking do. This is incredible. Like, there, is, there, there are not enough words that I can use to describe how fucking good They Fear Us is and how much of an impact this should I hope it has on the scene as a whole by making people realise just how creative you can be and still have your own identifiable sound and still have that cohesive identity. 
all working within like this theme. No, I, I agree with that. And I think that's very well put. I think that the idea that they've expanded on the blueprint of what, what a modern metal album can be is absolutely true. Um, you couple that with the way that they write lyrics, the way that they're put together as a band, the sort of political ideologies and the way that they produce those and, and, and they reflect those on the music. I think it's all from a band that is clearly incredibly unique and incredibly versatile. And hopefully, like yourself, I wish that it, it gets the, the coverage and the, the sort of reaction that it deserves over the course of this year. And it moves the needle for him because it absolutely should. Um, I think this is going to be a strong consideration come the end of the year, certainly for us um, in the noise HQ about talking about what albums are going to be there at the end. Um, me and you have discussed some really good ones already so far this year, and I think this is just another one that's going to join that list. Um, I've got I've got nothing but positive words to say about this. This is a, a phenomenal record from a phenomenal band that are somehow still in their infancy um, from their the, from the from the standpoint of where their career is at the moment, where it could be, where it could move to. They're they're already showing so much talent, so much potential. I'm really excited for what the future holds um, for Ithaca Man because this this is just a brilliant brilliant landmark. Um, I want to say thank you, Will, for your time today. Um, thank you, everybody, to listen to the podcast. Uh, please follow us at Noise Podcast on Twitter. Uh, follow us at Noise UK on Twitter. Follow us on Noise UK on YouTube. Please like and subscribe, etc., etc., etc. Follow us on all your relevant socials. Please listen to us on Spotify. Give us a five star rating. All that good stuff. All that social media stuff. I'll put another link on the for, um, on the start of this to sort of appeal to your uh, social media charity as well. That would be fantastic. All right. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Noise Podcast as part of the Noise Podcast Network, sponsored by Stereo Brown Records, etc. etc. Thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.